Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Final Edition Radio Hour is a work of satire intended for people who own books, gentrify neighborhoods, and say they like kale. Please consume responsibly the satire, that is. And now, Mike Pence's guide for when to stand and when to sit at the Winter Olympics. During the American National Anthem, stand. During another country's national anthem, sit. After the U.S. hockey team scores a goal, stand. When North and South Korean athletes walk together at the opening ceremony, sit. When Sean White lands a swell halfpipe trick, stand. When Kim Jong-un's little sister searches for your soul, sit. As mother excuses herself to use the bathroom. Stand. When you realize you're alone with Kim Jong-un's sister. Run. When an American athlete wins a gold medal. Stand. And then you discover the athlete is gay. Sit. When mother contracts the neurovirus. Stand. When the only Olympic event on TV is the two-man lose. Sit. When you forget Valentine's Day because of the time difference and also because of the two-man luge. Sit. After mother gives you the neurovirus as punishment. Sit. As you projectile vomit all over mother. Stand. As mother projectile vomits all over you. Sit. When the president calls. Stand. And he tells you to sit. Sit. And he changes his mind and tells you to stand. Stand. When you realize it's time to go home and you've accomplished nothing. Smile. This concludes Mike Pence's guide for when to stand and when to sit at the Winter Olympics. In her legendary 1949 book, The Second Sex, French philosopher Simone de Beauvoir helped launch modern second-wave feminism. One result, which only took 69 years, has been the current tidal wave of hashtag MeToo rebellion against sexual harassment and inequality in the workplace. But what about the first sex? The inevitable pushback or backlash. Make that pushback lash. Oh, I'm so scared. Has finally arrived right here at the final edition. This week, the men of the final edition announced that they're launching their own tidal wave of resistance under the handle hashtag me first. Yay! So guys, what's the beef? 
Look, I'm a total feminist, but I'm totally intimidated by women at my job who might accuse me of sexual harassment because of something I did or said years ago, when harassment was cool, you know? Back then, chicks said they were flattered by it. Yeah, that's right. No way, I'm not a feminist, but during client presentations, I now get constantly interrupted by women. When I correct some piece of data they've gotten wrong, or they go radically off-brand. As ardent feminists, how are we expected not to notice when a female colleague has breast reduction or breast enlargement surgery? I mean, isn't it natural for a guy to check the breasts of potential mates to see if they'll be adequate to suckle his young? All my bestest friends are feminists, but I need to sit down to pee or my chakras get out of alignment. Why can't I use the ladies' room without being screamed at? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. All right, TFE women, what do you think so far of hashtag me first? Men suck! Women Women suck! Well, we wish they would. Suck one another! And there you have it. Join us next week for more rational and civilized discourse on a matter of great importance to the future of the Union. You suck too, lady. I am not a lady. You can say that again. I am a woman. Hear me roar. Okay, so roar. Go on. I do not roar on cue. That's so cute. Hello, it's time for the final edition Radio R's annual Oscar Roundup wherein we bring you the story behind which the truth about the greatest movies rabid PR can buy lies. Concealed like a zircon in a gigantic pile of shit that has been shat by a bull. Tonight, the highest nominated movie in the usual parade of derivative Academy voter pandering dreck, The Shape of Water, or as we prefer to call it, The Shape of Auteur. Guillermo, a humble young Mexican auteur, works by day completing his latest genre-busting indie movie, which he has maxed out his credit cards to finance. To pay them off, he works by night as a janitor at the all-powerful Hollywood agency CIAA. He hopes CIAA will one day represent his movie, so he puts up with the friendly joshing of the agents. Hey, Squaremo, you lazy ball sack. Get me a Dapio triple macchiato with diet whipped cream, no sugar, and seven maraschino cherries. Okay, boss, coming right up. Chop, chop, loser. One night, Guillermo gets great news. In the office of CIA, a boss, Cahoulin Klein. Squaremo, your indie movie? We like a deaf bitch and a subaquatic Greenpeace-friendly monster directed by a Mexican? Just the kind of pretentious disability diversity crap the libtard old farts at the Academy get wet for. Give me a rough cut ASAP. Whoa, Senor Cojolan. We'll do. That same night, Guillermo gets a special assignment from the chief janitor. Hey, Squarem. You're cleaning the old archive room tonight. Down in the basement, just mopping dust. Don't open anything. Comprehende? The gloomy archive room is stuffed to the ceiling with old screenplays, film cans, the ghosts of Hollywood past, and one huge oak coffee. <laughs> On the coffin lid, 
William O.C.'s a single engraved word. Autor. Just like me. Don't open anything. Oh, shit. A zombie. Take it easy, zombie Autor. Just let me hear you whisper. As Guillermo reels back in horror, the zombie climbs out of the coffin, staggers to a pile of old teleplays, desperately searching, finds one and hands it to Guillermo. Let me hear you whisper by Paul Zinder. <laughs> Female cleaner works a night shift at a lab, falls for an aquatic creature, mysterious science experiments, Brings food to it, falls in love, dances with a mop in front of its tank, vivisection, sneaks out in a laundry cart. Oh, Dios mio, this is my entire fucking movie, written in 1969. <laughs> I'm ruined. I, I will get deported. Uh, hey, narrator, can you get deported for plagiarism? No idea. Ask Trump. Zombie Zindel, back in the coffin. <laughs> Guamo, quit your balling. CIAA has secret agents everywhere. No one will ever know a dead man wrote your movie. Nobody. Or they'll be dead. But it's not right. Not ethical. Guamo, you want to win 13 Oscars? I, I won't get deported. Trump will get deported before you do. Okay, I mean... All right. What could have been a career-ending disaster for our boy Guillermo gets a Hollywood ending in The Shape of Auto. Hey, can I talk to you for a second, babe? Sure, what's up? Not here. Meet me in the copy room in three minutes. Oh, you're so bad. Okay, see you then. Wow, Greg. We haven't done this since we both first started working here. I am so fucking turned on right now. Is that door locked? Hey, take your pants off. Sarah, look, I, um... There's no easy way to say this. I just put my two weeks notice in with HR. I'm leaving this company. It's over. It's been fun, but yeah, I got a new job. So you know how these things go. Damn it, really? A heads up would have been nice. We've been married for four years. You didn't even think to tell me you were looking for other jobs? You are so selfish. I, I know you're upset, and I'm sorry, but I couldn't compromise the offer for my new company. <laughs> Sarah, these are the rules of office relationships. We knew what we were getting into when we started dating as coworkers. What? Wait, what are we going to tell our son? I haven't figured out everything yet. It's going to be tough for a while, but we don't have a choice. The best thing I can say to you is Ron from finance just broke it off with his girlfriend. He's single. I'll put in a good word for you. I don't want to date Ron from finance. Wait, what if I come with you? You can get me a job there, right? Well, they are hiring a lot of people right now, and you do bring a great skill set to the table. I'd be happy to refer you. But if we were to engage in another office relationship, we would have to start from scratch. Those are the rules. No, this isn't fair. I'm drinking the toner. No, Sarah, don't drink the toner. It'll kill you. 
Okay, I think I'm ready. Give me a five-second countdown, but remain silent on the final three. Excuse me? You know, count me in on five, then four, and then quietly signal me with your fingers on the final three counts, then point to me when we're live. Any particular fingers you'd like me to use? No, you choose. Where's Chase? Chase is in Los Angeles, so I'm doing it alone today. Do you think that's wise? The segment is called Two Blondes. Don't be so literal. It's spelled T-O-O, so it can mean anything we want it to. Today it means I'm solo. There are two O's in solo if you need to justify it. Okay, so what's our theme today? Well, Chase and I were featured on PIX12 News last week. PIX11 News? There's no PIX12 News. And that's what I thought. Why isn't there a PIX12 News? It's like Spinal Tap. People thought there was no 11 on the volume knob, but they were so wrong. So why can't there be a PIX12 News? Why limit ourselves? Let's set the standard today by producing our first segment of PIX12 News. That makes no sense. I'll show you what I mean. Count me in. What? Count me in. Five, four... Quiet on set. Good evening. I'm Savannah Brown, and welcome to PIX12 News Live. We have late-breaking news tonight that an American fighter jet was shot down over Syria today. Cut! You can't cut. We're live. We're not really live, Savannah. We're pretending to be live, and there's no camera off to the side, so you'll need to face forward. What? Most legitimate news broadcasts are three-camera shoots. Yes, most legitimate news broadcasts are, but you're setting news standards, so let's try it again with one camera facing forward. Count me in. Five, four... We have late-breaking news tonight that an American fighter jet was shot down over Syria today with the pilot safely ejaculating his plane and landing unharmed. Cut! Cut! What now? I'm facing forward. The pilot didn't safely ejaculate his plane, Savannah. Oh my, oh no, oh my god, how tragic. He ejected his plane safely. Oh my, well that's confusing. That's a big difference, isn't it? I would think so. Uh, Shall we try it again? Yes, please. It's all about sentence structure, isn't it? Not really. It's more about using the right word. Give me a moment to compose myself. I'm doing this all by myself, you know? Okay, count me in. Five, four... We have late-breaking news tonight that an American fighter jet was shot down over Syria today with the pilot ejaculating his plane safely. Cut! What? He didn't ejaculate his plane safely. I don't get it. He didn't ejaculate his plane safely, and he didn't safely ejaculate his plane. What's the right way for a pilot to get out of his fucking plane these days? Cut! Cut! You can't use the F word on live evening news, Savannah. We're not live, Frank. We're pretending to be live. Now tell me what I'm doing wrong. I'm flying solo here. The pilot safely ejected the plane, not safely ejaculated the plane. There's no safe way for a pilot to ejaculate a plane and stay in the Air Force. Oh, okay, yeah, I get it. Okay, let's go. Five, four. We have late-breaking news tonight that an American fighter jet was shot down over Syria today with the pilot getting out okay and landing unarmed. Cut! The pilot wasn't unarmed, Savannah. He was unharmed, and yes, it makes a difference. He's safe on the ground. Do we really care about anything else? It was an exciting story when he was ejaculating his plane. Ejecting his plane. And now, because we're being PC and playing everything safe, he's just a guy walking around the desert with no arms. Unharmed. Words matter. Let's move on to the next story. Five, Five, four, four, three. A masked gunman entered a Manhattan Bronx Dunkin' Donuts early this morning, demanding all the cash in the register and a skinny vanilla latte with three sweet and lows. No one was harmed, even though the masked gunman was armed. What's really troubling about this story to me is why would someone order a skinny vanilla latte with three sweet and lows in this day and age? 
Hasn't this guy read a magazine in the past 30 years? Sweet and low is packed with saccharin, and saccharin causes cancer in rats. Cut. Oh, what? We can't say saccharin causes cancer in rats on our newscast? The gunman's a rat. I'm doing him a favor. This is public service announcement to all the rats in the city. Stay away from saccharin, you bastards, and get out of my neighborhood, Dunkin' Donuts. This is Savannah Brown, signing off for PIX12 News. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the Final Edition Radio Hour and our critically acclaimed yet oft-forgotten and rarely heard session of the Final Edition Interviews, where we talk with leaders in the fields of satire, politics, business, and other things that we make up in order to entertain you. Today we're lucky to be joined by a real author, comedian, journalist, infiltrator. His name is Harmon Leon. And you may remember him from an interview we conducted probably three years ago, but he's got a new project out, and we're very excited to talk to him. Harmon and I go way back to the days in San Francisco doing comedy. We've crossed paths around the world, and we're excited uh, to talk to him today about his new project with the cartoonist Ted Rall. It's a book from 39 West Press called Meet the Deplorables, Infiltrating Trump's America. Harmon, welcome to the Final Edition Radio Hour. Do you, know, do you want to know what? It is really good to be here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, just want, I just want to set that <laughs> I'm open with that. And, All right. And, and good to be back. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good to have you back. Yeah. I'm glad we're both still uh, operating on, on some level of uh, existing. Exactly. Uh, so I think when we last talked, we probably talked a little bit about infiltrating. You've done work with different hate groups uh, around the nation. And, and just to clarify, not work with them, yes. work undercover, um, infiltrating them. So to not, not assisting the hate groups. I just so, want to just clarify that. Right? Well, yeah. you, you may insist them by giving them a little a little kick in the pants to pick up their game. Tell us then about uh, what infiltrating is. Tony, uh, as you know, and by the way, that murmuring there was Tony Hendra, your beloved co-producer here. Uh, we work in satire. That's some way that we try to shine the light on things. Tell us what infiltrating is. Is it journalism? Is it satire? Tell us what that's about. Well, I think it's a culmination of all of the above. So what I do is I go out undercover in disguise and I infiltrate hate groups and extremist groups in Trump America. And the collection of the best of this is in the new book, uh, Meet the Deplorables, Infiltrating Trump America. So within the book, I've infiltrated everything from, uh, oh, let's say anti-Muslim hate groups uh, up in just a mere like hour and a half from here right. to up in New Hampshire where a tattoo parlor was giving away free Trump tattoos to Trump anyone that supported Trump and wanted Trump ink for life across their chest. 
Was this before or after the election? This was before the election. So these people were getting Trump inked on their chest with a chance of him not winning. And they have as many votes per person as we do, don't they? Yeah, exactly. But that's the whole point is that these people were just so fanatical about Trump and they capture the imagination of, let's say, the Rust Belt and, and right-wing America that, yeah, they were willing to uh, have Trump inked on their body for life, on their human, human body, you know, and he might have not won the election. So I wonder if you've seen a difference uh, since Trump came onto the scene, because I remember work you done infiltrating groups like the Westboro Baptist Church, uh, um, other those types of like hate groups before, and some fascinating stories that you brought out. Have you noticed anything in these types of groups that, that Trump has changed? Has it energized them, legitimized them? That's my fear, sure. and I'm wondering if you've seen that. Yeah, but again, I think in, there's deeper cuts in the book. So, I, you know, obviously we think of Trump supporters as the racist, xenophobic, uh, you know, uh, pieces of shit that we see on, uh, you know, the news sites, but they're not one-dimensional characters. So within the book, I find people that found, like, other reasons to support Trump. Everyone from, you know, they grew up with him and just love him because he was a pop culture icon on the apprentice to people in economically repressed towns in like rural Indiana, Mike Pence's home state that's just like ravaged with meth and, 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 and turned to Trump because Trump claimed to be the great job creator. He's going to bring the jobs back and they're, you know, kind of like a Tony Robbins. They look towards him as like this inspiration and, you know, and unfortunately they're going to be duped when, you know, they takes away their insurance. Yeah, well, I mean, there is yeah. a there is a long tradition of in America, but believing that a businessman should run the country, isn't it? I mean, especially in the Midwest. So there's a, essentially a famous John Ford film, uh, what's called Stagecoach, I think, mm -hmm. and there's a banker in there, and um, he, he's always going on about how this country ought to be run like a business, and he turns out to be the one who embezzles the money at the end. Yeah, but do you want to uh, country run like <laughs> Trump State or Trump University? Yeah. Um, exactly. No, 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 I'm not saying yeah, I no, agree no, with I know. It. I'm I know. saying, I'm saying that this delusion is not a new one. I mean, it's uh, it's been going on for a long time, and people have fallen for it. Like yeah. in, in in the the, the um, aforementioned uh, tattoo parlor, and and also in another group where you know these two brothers, uh, they're Mexican American, and they're so inspired by Trump that they formed a pro-Trump rock band with their hit song "Trump for America." Um, you know, we got these people just going, yeah, he's a pretty successful guy. You know, he's kind of inspiring to look up to. He's kind of successful. I want to be successful. And also got a lot of people just saying, you know, I've never voted in an election before until Trump came on the scene. He was like the first candidate who ever made me go out and vote. So he captured the imagination of these people. And right. These aren't just the, you know, the racist uh, hate groups that we see, though no, I cover no, a no. lot of that. Um, I mean, I, 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 one of the things I, I've realized actually after the election w was, um, was how much The Apprentice... Uh, was it was was part part and parcel of this, because I I mean it, it being in coming from New York and especially Manhattan, we've sort of grown up with Trump as this sleazebag who Sorry, just embarrasses himself yeah. and yeah. his terrible businessman and goes bankrupt and all that. So we the, the, our, our level of shock is on that kind of. Uh, on that uh, I'm sorry our level of response to him mm -hmm. is on that kind of uh, almost intimate level and um, but instead th he, he was easily the best known person uh, running for president far and away he was a star 
Yeah. And 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 that 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 show ran for thirteen seasons. Um, people are just inspired by the cult of uh, celebrity. Yeah. And this is coming from a man who once co-starred with O.J. Simpson on a hidden camera prank show mm. entitled Juiced. Yeah. People are just like enamored when when because when they come across the most famous person yeah. they've seen and they've seen him all through his life and 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 that's you know part of America you know people when they're famous they let you grab their pussies right like you said in the interview <laughs> did you th- did you find that the people that you met whether they were these racists or whether they were sort of more everyday folks that were maybe duped were they driven by an emotional like visceral response to when Trump was because that's often been my sense is that that he played into that emotion just like Fox News plays on fear and that's a stronger motivator than ration and reason so too he played on this emotion just just like I'm gonna make you great and strong and powerful and you're gonna take a Viagra commercial right you're gonna make us all hard yeah whereas Hillary was like I'm just gonna do the right thing and that doesn't inspire well it's just like in a lot of these small towns that i went to like you know say in like reno nevada when you know i went around with repo men you know legally stealing people's cars in the middle of the night because they couldn't afford the payments you know it was just like you know they look for him for inspiration they just uh you know it's so easy you know to look at the rust belt and just like go and on trump's point of view just to go look washington doesn't care about you you know look at hillary she's having rallies with beyonce and i'm here like on a wednesday night in ohio and uh you know i'm here for you he played the part he played the part really well well i think i think that's actually an important thing he's uh, again not something i really realized until i sort of got over the just instinctive hate for the guy and i realized that actually Actually, he's he's white. He's not blonde, but he's he's he's, he's become a blonde, and <laughs> he is uh, and and he is uh, he's got the remains of, of very good looks. So I mean, and when he goes like like this, he puts on you know il duce look. Yeah, people love that. I mean, yeah. I'm sure his supporters love that because it means firmness and you know tough guy. And and I'm not putting up with any nonsense. Well, we know perfectly. We in <clears throat> New York know that's a piece of crap. That he's that he doesn't that, right, know that. that. Most but, people I mean, think he's about actually it for playing a while. the role rather well. Right, he's doing great. It. And most people that think through probably do realize that. Like, I bet a lot of his supporters if they sat and actually looked at what was really happening but A, the information what's really happening isn't there and B, most people don't make these decisions and follow people because of like the thoughtfulness. Again, it's it's that emotional thing and Trump is there and you're like, yeah, I want to have like a middle year European lingerie model for a wife and yeah. and all this other stuff. Uh, just two things on that. First, you know, Hillary completely in my mind lost it when, and it, it goes back to the title of the book when she referred to Trump supporters as deplorable. Do you remember when that happened? You're yeah, like, yeah. why? Why oh, did she yeah. need to do that? She yeah. didn't need to do that, and and it, and that just played right into his hands of going, look, see, look what they're calling you. Um, so you know that was like a big part of it, you know, and uh, yeah, just the whole you know Washington doesn't care about you, and what I've learned from also going on like right wing radio shows and meeting the deplorables in my book is that how we see like Trump so awful, they see it as strength, right. you know, like how they see like how Trump interact with North Korea um, the other side sees it as like alright here's the first guy to stand up to North Korea and tough talk you know talk tough um, you know and they see backing out of the Paris Climate Accord they go we just saved 11 billion dollars you know it does. that's like wasting money if you don't believe in climate change and that's you know again that's the other side of the paradigm of where Do, these people let are me, coming let me ask from you, let me ask you one thing from my limited experience of this I, I live in a 
a lot of the time in a very very Republican county of New county of New Jersey. Uh, it's it's Hunterdon County, and it is rock red Republican. And as soon as you know Bill Douche uh, was was nominated, um, all those little Trump signs came up like toadstools overnight. And I was not surprised, but I was surprised I yeah. mean, at, at how many came out. But the interesting thing, I mean, just on my own street. Mm -hmm. um, I would say there were 20, 30, 40 families that, or houses that had, you know, uh, Trump signs outside. And I know almost all of these people. And I also know, and I want to know if you found this in your, in your sort of infiltration, uh, I also know that these are the meanest people I know. They're really mean. They're unpleasant people. They're, they've, they've got guns and they'll use them. Uh, but not that that necessarily makes you an evil person. But but it but but they, but there's just something about the, these people that I know. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but right. almost all of them are a certain kind of person that you just don't want to. You shouldn't have the vote, frankly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're just they're they're, they're, they're <laughs> just so embittered for right. one reason or another. Yeah, yeah. they're they're just. They're just nasty people. Yeah. So did you find that a lot? Or or, or are we to listen to the understanding kind of um, analysts who say we have to understand they're them? Good yeah, people. so I'll go with the, I mean, it's what I try to do, the the, the, the takeaway of the book is, uh, in sort of the tagline I try to create for it is like, I try to satirize and humanize the deplorable. So we don't see them all as one-dimensional characters. Um, what I try to do is like say, you know, we don't have to understand their ideology or uh, agree with it. Um, we, I just like to see how they got to the point to where they are and kind of just uh, what is their thought process that What's the origin there? story of their villain? Exactly. The origin story <laughs> is, you know, they didn't get bit by a radioactive spider, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. A, couple, yeah. A, a, few, a few last questions. Um, one is, how do you... Were you ever had the opportunity to present with it um, sort of counter arguments to them, or was your role as an infiltrator sort of more just to observe and report? And if you did ever present the, well, what about the Nazis that he supports, or you know, what about his marriages and extra, any of those things? Did you ever present that? Um, and if so how did they react? Yeah. So two things about infiltrating is um, it's. The whole point is just to get their natural reactions mm -hmm. and not really argue because right. we know we know the right answers to those questions and we know the response when you get confrontational that you're never going to sway anyone's opinion. I just want to get these more humanized, not humanized, but just natural reactions. Like, let's say I'm at a meeting of Act for America, which is an anti-Muslim hate group that you know met in Long Island. I I want to get a natural reaction like afterwards at the meeting when we're at the cookie table where this old guy who's like you know uh, in his late 80s going you know I'm probably gonna be gone before this is over but I hope I could take a few of them out before I leave you know I want to get those reactions I don't want to debate him on that I want to go all right let's see that natural flow of thought come out of this you man. know the way you describe that makes me feel like America needs a great project again you know they always talk about like the the greatest generation mm -hmm. which is debatable but you know like there was the world war there was like all the the industrialization like they, they, these are old men that feel like they need to have a cause before they die but yeah. anyway i don't want to detract too much the 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 book yeah, we're not wrapping up quite yet but the book again is meet the deplorables infiltrating trump america with Har by harman leon and cartoonist ted rawl and i i want to give ted his his due here um yeah. and maybe we'll, we'll pipe in a question from him later but but what was ted's role in the project i know your work and ted is a cartoonist he's done some fantastic work was it to just illustrate what you've created or how did that uh, partnership um so he he did the artwork but also so the book's divided into five different sections of five different types of deplorables so he 
so within it there's a you know bunch of chapters within each section so ted sets up each uh, section by sort of editorializing mm -hmm. on the type of deplorables and then that launches into my sort of uh don quixote adventures into the heart of trump america mm -hmm. um and an interesting thing you said about trump signs uh popping up on your street um so i did one story where i infiltrated the first church of heavy metal in dayton ohio and mm -hmm. ted is from dayton ohio and he said he knew all along that Trump was going to win because he went back to Dayton and this was the first time that he just saw, you know, Trump signs up everywhere. He that like, you know, Republican signs never were up in yeah, prominence yeah. in exactly. any other election. So Ted, you know, uh, it's like a great collaborator uh, for yeah. the book and also predicted it early. And and inside, I mean, he. What's well, also interesting, he has that story about where he ended up like in a party in Afghanistan behind enemy yeah. lines. What Harmon and I used to do, uh, and sometimes pick up a storytelling uh, show. Um, so Ted has his own ver version of unintentional infiltration that he does. Um, he has this great story that's in the book that kind of uh, sums it up when we kind of want to you know story arc the book into <laughs> you know just a little more uh you know there's hope at the end of the thing um in the 80s he worked for a japanese bank and his job was actually to see trump's tax returns because trump wanted mm. a loan from this japanese bank to open up the casino in atlantic city so he actually saw his tax returns him and his boss went out to the spot in atlantic city and go this is this is never going to make money there's like yeah. they're not even putting in a parking garage you expect you know people from the suburbs to come here and park their cars in like, like war zone street, atlantic right. city when it was you know back in you know that sort of heyday so he was a man who actually turned trump down for a long because he said this is never going to make any money ted as a satirical artist if you're comfortable with that label how did you feel about rendering the results of Harmon's infiltration visually yeah so obviously you can call me a political satirist that's what I am. I'm an editorial cartoonist, and satirizing things is what I do. Now, when I set out to collaborate with Harmon Leon on this project, the last thing I was thinking about was satirizing him. Uh, that's not at all what I was out to do. Um, as with my work in general, in which I try to cover stories that don't normally see the light of day very much, or to highlight stories that might get mentioned but not get talked about enough, um, and maybe to even talk about stories that do get talked a lot about, but from a point of view or using a perspective or trying to get to pe people to think about it in a new way, um, I'm looking to fill in the gaps of what's not already there. I mean, after all, there's lots of people who do cartoons making fun of Donald Trump, for example, and they do a great job, and what's the point of Ted Rawl doing another one, right? There really isn't. So. What I'm after is, uh, when I'm trying to essentially illustrate a book like this, is to try to look at it and say, okay, what's missing? So Harmon did an amazing job infiltrating, no one's better than him, no one's as good as him at this, uh, getting people to open up to him because they think he's one of them, right? Now, I'm an outsider. I didn't meet these people. That's not what I was after. I was out to talk about the political and historical and socioeconomic background that got us to this place, to the Donald Trump presidency, and what does it all mean? And where does it come from? Because if we understand where it came from, we can possibly start to travel the road back to a world that looked better than it does today, or maybe even more importantly, to try to make things better than they are now and build a completely better world, which is, of course, I think what most of us want. So 
I looked at uh, I looked at Meet the Deplorables as a uh, as my job as being the serious political analyst. I'm the straight man to Harmon Leon's uh, court jester in a way, and uh, not that his stuff wasn't serious, but it's more jokey. And so, ironically, the cartoons are more serious than the writing here. I think. Um, I think it really works. I love the way it all came together. The truth is, when you collaborate, you never know what's going to happen. And this one turned out great, and I'm really proud of it. And uh, I look forward, hopefully, to working with Harmon again in the future. It was awesome. Well, excellent. Well, I'm excited to uh, to read the book. Is there an easy-to-find uh, website or, or location for the book or more about you and Ted? Yeah, it's called Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Harmon Leon, everyone. Breaking down technology for the neophytes. Uh, the book is Meet the Deplorables, Infiltrating Trump America by Harmon Leon and Ted Rall. Uh, you should check it out. These are two very funny, insightful um, comedians and journalists and uh, geniuses uh, in their own right, and they've joined forces, just like Tony and I have joined forces here. Uh, what's the name of this thing? Oh, I forget. <laughs> uh, this is the final edition radio hour. Dedicated listeners to the final edition radio hour may have recognized a theme running through our shows the last three months or so. That theme is this. At the end of every episode, we will play the classic piece of satire, Deteriorata, in honor of Donald Trump's presidency. We'll play this until he is gone, and our place in the universe is restored. Go placidly amid the noise and waste, and remember what comfort there may be in owning a piece thereof. Avoid quiet and passive persons unless you are in need of sleep. Rotate your tires. Speak glowingly of those greater than yourself, and heed well their advice, even though they be turkeys. Know what to kiss, and when. Consider that two wrongs never make a right, but the three do. Wherever possible, put people on hold. Be comforted that in the face of all aridity and disillusionment, and despite the changing fortunes of time, there is always a big future in computer maintenance. Remember the Pueblo. Strive at all times to bend, fold, spindle, and mutilate. Know yourself. If you need help, call the FBI. Exercise caution in your daily affairs, especially with those persons closest to you. That lemon on your left, for instance. Be assured that a walk through the ocean of most souls would scarcely get your feet wet. Fall not in love, therefore, it will stick to your face. Gracefully surrender the things of youth, birds, clean air, tuna, Taiwan, and let not the sands of time get in your lunch. Hire people with hooks. For a good time, call 606-4311. Ask for Ken. Take heart amid the deepening gloom that your dog is finally getting enough cheese. And reflect that whatever misfortune may be your lot, it could only be worse in Milwaukee. You are a fool. 
You are a fluke of the universe. You have no right to be here. And whether you can hear it or not, the universe is laughing behind your back. Therefore, make peace with your God, whatever you conceive him to be, hairy thunderer or cosmic muffin, with all its hopes, dreams, promises and urban renewal, the world continues to deteriorate. Give up. You are a Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening to the Final Edition Radio Hour. The voices of the Final Edition are performed by Bruce Cherry, Daisy Hobbs, Jen Dodd, Jim Earl, Rob Gordon, Keith Saltahanes, Tony Hendra, Gil Barron, Ben Kirchner, John Gutierrez, Samantha Gerwitz, Barry Lank, Sean Ari Lehair, James Mount, Jeff Chrysler, John Marshall, Abby Parker, Jessica Park, Kurt Weitzman, Rachel Rauch, Andrew Danish, Candice Martellera, Antu Shell, Rob Miller, Kayla Merrill, and Leslie Shapira. The Final Edition Radio Hour is written by Kit Lively, Samantha Gerwitz, Candice Martellero, Bruce Cherry, Jen Dodd, Tony Hendra, Rob Gordon, Jeff Chrysler, John Marshall, Barry Lank, James Mount, Gil Barron, Ben Kirchner, John Gutierrez, Jessica Park, Kurt Weitzman, Leslie Shapira, Melinda Hughes, Jeremy Rayburn, Steve Rosenfield, and Peter Kleinman. The Final Edition Radio Hour is produced and directed by Tony Hendra and Jeff Chrysler. West Coast production by Barry Lank. Audio edited by Greg Russ and Andrew Hammond. The Final Edition Radio Hour is the property of the Final Edition Radio Hour. Copyright 2014. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.